Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to a brand new DNF1 F1 podcast. I hope that you're all doing well and thank you as always for being here. It's great to have you along for a bit of F1 chat and discussion and welcome back to another episode on the F1 2024 car launch mini series. Sure, there's a better name for it than that, but we are at episode four now. And in this episode, we are covering the Alpine A524, the 2024 Alpine car, which I and I'm sure a lot of F1 fans, including you, the listener here, hence why you clicked on this episode, are probably hoping that Alpine are going to give us something to make us interested in them. I said quite a lot last season that Alpine have become this mediocre middle of the road team that were just quite happy to show up and amid all the chaos that was going within the management structure and all the problems that were happening on the track they just weren't really giving us anything to be excited about however they had their car launch uh today at the time of recording which of course is a wednesday you're listening to this on a thursday uh make sure to get my dates right because i think i got the dates wrong with the other cars but all that waffling aside they unveiled their car at the car launch And it's a very interesting looking car. Before I get into that, of course, don't forget that we did the other three episodes recently. We covered the Haas, the Williams and the new, well, I say stake is probably going to end up being called kick now because of what's been going on there and uh, that separate controversy involving the licensing for stake. So not going to get into any of that, but the other three episodes are available to you if you haven't checked them out already, where I covered all those cars and talked about their hopes for the season ahead. Moving back to Alpine now, of course, all that cheeky plug aside, the A524. And I've got to say, I I like it. I think it's a nice looking car. I like what they've done with the, what do you call them, the accents, I suppose, the blue and pink accents on there. But again, it kind of kind of highlights how difficult it has been in this modern ground effect era for teams to really shift weight off these cars to the point where we're effectively almost going to get a grid of 10 carbon livery cars with extra bits on them. It has triggered a lot of fans to ask, should the FAA get involved and, you know, force teams to actually come up with a normal, bright, vibrant livery rather than just having carbon fiber cars on the grid with no paint on them just to save weight i'm sure that it was karen chanduk actually there was advertising or uh, putting a company or brandishing a company i suppose on social media that does colorful 
uh, carbon fiber solutions. Actually, it was Autosport. I'm just looking at it now. Um, Hypetex, they do colored um, carbon fiber solutions. So maybe that's the way forward. But for now, we've got the black carbon fiber Alpine with the blue accents on the side, which look pretty cool. I must admit, they do look quite nice. They've also got the pink ones as well. And that pink accent on the car, that's going to be um, it's going to be prominent at eight races this season, which is more than what we normally get. I think it was the first two or three we'd used to get where it was a pink car. We're going to be getting that at eight races this season. That's more of the influence of their corporate sponsors, BWT. So I, I like it. I think it looks pretty cool. But again, I, I'm hoping that, you know, we're not going to be seeing a whole grid full of um, carbon fiber colored cars i want to see some more color on the grid this season hopefully the teams that do remain at the moment they're the ones that are going to be giving us those colors so fingers crossed for that but it doesn't look too bad at least um and talking about the car itself a lot of noticeable changes on the aero stuff and i kind of want to go through these bit by bit because last season alpine were quite limited on their car Engine performance was also a big factor for them as well. I think we heard them say that they were around 15 brake horsepower down on the best engines in in the sport at the moment. And when you look at Mercedes, Ferrari, and of course, whatever you want to call it, Red Bull powertrains or Ford badge on them, which is effectively a Honda engine as well. Those three were all pretty much almost level with each other or they're in the same ballpark where they were competitive. And of course, the Renault engine at the Alpine uses at the moment was very much below power. So they've not really been able to address that because of the engine freeze regulation. So they are going to have to look to try and make gains elsewhere. But those were mostly the limitations Alpine had. That and, of course, the aero made it very inconsistent. Um, and then, of course, you've got the, the management side as well last season. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. I just want to focus on the aero details for the moment. Um, the interview, of course, that was taking place with the new technical director, Matt Harmon, um, he had a list of the things that were completely redesigned on this car. So much so that Alpine were referring to the A524 as a completely revised um, car, an aggressive design philosophy that they've taken for this season. The only thing that they claim has carried over is the steering wheel. And I'm just going to list a few things in particular that are new on this car there's a new light chassis a new push rod uh, location for the rear suspension uh, an optimized front suspension a new heat rejection system and a better brake thermal management system there was also some um there was also an enhanced undercut and a less bulky side pods that i noticed on the car as well the airbox area looks like it's increased in volume that suggests that there are going to be changes in cooling, which I think a lot of you veteran listeners or a lot of you more aero experts out there will notice that have noticed that Alpine have really struggled with their engine cooling. Even uh, before the ground effect cars, I remember a few years ago that Alpine had those huge air boxes or those huge bulges around the rear of the car, which was to incorporate more cooling in and around the engine. And it's something that they've really struggled with in this turbo hybrid era to get that cooling right. Hopefully, for their sake, it won't compromise them too much, but it might be a more efficient way of getting that cooling on the car to keep the engine at a good temperature so that they can push it more aggressively because that's probably going to be the only way that they're going to be able to address this power deficit that they're currently facing to some of their rival engine manufacturers at the moment. So hopefully for them, 
it's not going to come at the cost of too much drag. They've been able to incorporate it in a way that doesn't create a deficit for the aero performance too much, but a nice balance that they can push the engine a little bit harder. So somebody to keep an eye on for this season. One area in particular I do want to focus on, and I think this is quite critical, is the rear suspension. Now, I mentioned already, I noticed on the renders and at the launch that the pushrod location had changed. And after Matt Harmon, the technical director, had been speaking to multiple journalists and some of the reports that come out during this launch, a lot of the work at the rear seems to be in the interior, bits beneath the bodywork that you or I mere mortals can't really see. And I think that's where a lot of the magic is going to be occurring for this car if it's going to be successful this season. And this is quite a huge project. So I want to try and explain as best as I can why this is significant. So last season, other than the engine issues and and the inconsistency of the car, the biggest weakness for on the aero side was the poor ride and the poor balance. And this was in particular through the, the mid corner. And the way that ground effect cars work at the moment, from what I understand at least, which isn't a lot, but I'll try my best to explain. But the way ground effect cars are working at the moment is they're producing their most downforce at it's particularly at high speed corners at the rear of the car when the car is being sucked closer to the ground at high speed. Now, because of this, the car has a characteristic to want to oversteer because of the huge downforce which is occurring at the rear. And this is something that Alpine really, really struggled with. And what they're hoping to achieve is through this new rear suspension that they, it will aid with the initial rotation that the car wants to do when it goes in the corner on turning without creating any more oversteer at the rear, give it a bit more control and as a result, give it better through corner balance. It's particularly at the mid corner. Now, why is that important? You're probably asking. Well, the reason why that's important is it allows for greater turn in speed. It gives the drivers much more confidence to carry more speed in the corner, which is something that we've seen a lot of the top drivers do in these ground effect cars in some of the better cars this year. And not only that, it allows them to carry the speed through the mid corner. You know, they don't have to try and make too many corrections if the car steps out or it gets a bit oversteery. It allows them to maintain that speed. And in turn, you know, not only is that faster, but it allows them greater corner exit speeds as well. So it's not going to compromise them in that regard. And if it's successful, not only is it going to be faster for them, but it's also going to give them better time management. And if you've listened to the other three episodes that we've done so far, the one thing that has kept coming back, tyre management, tyre management, tyre management. They have to manage their tyres better. And I think that you're going to see that across the board for a lot of teams this season, that the ones that make the most progress with tyre management are the ones that are probably going to do the best this season in terms of overall performance, or at least the ones that are going to make the most gains, relatively speaking. So this is a huge project that Alpine have embarked on. Having looked through the specs and what looks to have changed and Obviously, there's going to be more that we're expecting to change. I mean, the front wing that we saw on the car, I'm pretty certain that front wing is just a decoy. That's certainly not going to be on the car come preseason testing. I'd be surprised if it's even on the shakedown, which coincidentally takes place on the 20th of February, just before preseason testing. So it'd be worth keeping an eye out for that and any other changes that go on the Alpine. So looking ahead for the season... Uh, Alpine is, as I said last season, it's a team that went through not only some issues and inconsistencies on the track, but there was so much change in the management structure throughout 2023. I mean, we had Lauren Rossi, the CEO 
Otmar Schaffner, the, the team principal, Davide Brivio, the sporting director, all were replaced throughout last season. It was absolutely crazy times. I mean, I mean, I, I can't even begin to describe how crazy the restructure was. And then, of course, we had Bruno Faman that came in as the interim team principal. And when everybody was asking questions about Alpine's 100 race project, they kept moving the starting point back to the beginning again. It was almost, it was almost as if Bruno Faman was talking about this new process. Um, and he kept mentioning it all the time in the press conference to the point where everyone was like, well, you keep mentioning this new process, but what does that entail? What detail can you give us to suggest that you are trying things that are different? to what you were doing before and more importantly you're actually going to make changes going forward looking at the car looking at the changes that they cited this seems to be a step in the right direction of course how are they going to fare relatively speaking to the rest of the competition remains to be seen but of course we've got to be optimistic at this point we won't know until the cars come out on track who's done what job and who's done a better job than other cars we can only hope that alpine through these changes, have been able to address their problems and make gains going forward. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on the existing management structure that has been reshuffled for the millionth time, hopefully for their sake that they've got that right. I mean, losing also key personnel like Alan Permain, that's a huge loss. And I think if I remember right, I read that he was going to VCARB or RB or something like that. So obviously that's one that's going to be worth keeping an eye on as well. There's been a huge reshuffle across the paddock. So, you know, some allies in your team are going to become enemies or competition is probably a better way of putting it at other teams. So it's always going to be interesting to see how that dynamic works out for this season. But looking ahead for Alpine, progress is essential. You know, this was a team that were comfortably four fastest a couple of years ago. They were on the fringes of trying to challenge the top three. That was certainly their aim heading into 2023. And they fell away from that dramatically. You know, that they were ahead of McLaren at the start of last season. And McLaren obviously went through that huge turnaround, overhauled them and left them in the dust. Aston Martin started the season behind Alpine from the carryover from the previous season in 2022. They leapfrogged them over one winter period and never really looked back. And, and this is a team that, you know, it, it was very inconsistent last season and it very rarely challenged the top guys. I think on two occasions I can think of where they really looked like they had it all together and that was Pierre Gasly and Zanvoort on the podium, Esteban Ocon also on the podium at um, at Monaco as well. Memorable performances there. And then we can't forget as well, you know, the points that they should have got in Melbourne if it wasn't for the two of them crashing towards the end of that crazy race. And of course, we'll get into that dynamic in a moment. So this is a big year for Alpine and they've made a lot of changes to this car and I hope for their sake that these are all good changes in the right direction um, but of course we'll only find out in pre-season testing. In terms of their drivers Gasly and Ocon and first things first happy birthday Pierre Gasly 28 years of age and uh, that makes me feel old because uh, I I feel like Pierre Gasly's been around in F1 uh, forever and yet he's only 28. So, you know, what does that say? But nonetheless, happy birthday to you, Pierre. And uh, hopefully this is going to be a good season for both of their guys. Two very good drivers who I think still have a point to prove. Pierre Gasly for me last season, he didn't exactly get off the line like with like a house on fire at Alpine. There was, there was a lot that was made about this dynamic between him and Esteban Ocon obviously two French drivers in a French team uh, with a French branding French engine all the recipes were there 
for this to be exactly what France needed in a Formula One team with two young drivers with lots of potential and lots of experience behind them already, both race winners as well, we shouldn't forget. So there was a lot going for it. But Pierre Gasly didn't have the best of stars, but his season started to grow and grow and grow. And he became more the focal point in the team, the more consistent driver that you could rely on. And I think at this point in time, it does seem that Pierre Gasly, even though he's not really named the number one driver in the team, I feel like there's more there that's backing him at Alpine for the medium term than there is for Esteban Ocon. Now, of course, if you're Esteban Ocon, there's probably a lot riding on this season for him. As I said, I don't think he had a bad season, but I, other than Monaco, I can't pick out too many performances that he pulled in that would scream out to me and say, yeah, you know, this guy is definitely a guy that the top team should be keeping an eye on. But he does have options. Of course, we talked about the Audi team coming in 2026. Um, 2025 could be a big year for him where he may decide to move there. Obviously, what has happened with Lewis Hamilton at Ferrari um, that leaves a seat at Mercedes. Ocon has history with Mercedes. He was part of that management. He was part of that structure there within the management to eventually replace Valtteri Bottas. Of course, George Russell got the nod. The door may be open again for Esteban Ocon. There are plenty of options there as well. We do, we don't know. The dominoes will fall where they fall. Does it create an opportunity for him? We we'll have to wait and see. But he has to do his talking on the track. He has to put himself in a position where. Either he makes himself indispensable to Alpine, whether of course he wants to stay there or not, remains to be seen. Same goes for Pierre Gasly in that regard. Or put himself in the shop window for some of the other teams where seats may become available this year and next year to the point where they have to get him in. I would say his stock in F1 has fallen a little bit. And I think that's relatively speaking because of other drivers that have had impressive 2023 campaigns that will be looking to build on that. But there is still plenty there about Esteban Ocon that I think is going to be critical for him to have a good season in order to put himself back in that position where some of the other teams looking for a driver on the fly, they, they're going to be clamouring to get him in. It's going to be very important. A lot will be said about this dynamic between Ocon and Gasly in 2024. We only really had one or two moments last season where we thought it might flare up and I think I think it was Gasly who said that it took a huge mental toll to try and keep everything together because there was a lot of pressure and a lot of media interference on this dynamic between him and Esteban Ocon. Would it work at Alpine? We only saw a few moments on track where it really looked like it was going to flare up. Melbourne obviously being the prime example where they both crashed into each other uh, and, and ruined the entire race for Alpine because they were on for some big points. And then we saw a few moments towards the back end of the season, Vegas being a prime example where we saw the team orders being issued on the radio. And there was a bit of uh, back and forth between the drivers over, you know, who's got the right away with position, who should be ahead of who. So that will certainly be one to keep an eye on this year. And I'm pretty certain that both drivers are going to be adamant that they finish ahead of the other heading into the 2024 season. So I think that's pretty much all to cover with the Alpine 524. As I said, a lot of changes made to this car. I think we're going to see that with a lot of cars this season. How that final car is going to look at pre-season testing remains to be seen. I like the look of the car, although if I'm honest, I'm kind of getting a bit bored now seeing these darker carbon liveries. I want to see something a bit brighter, more vibrant, more colourful. Hopefully the teams that we still have to come 
are going to be able to produce that for us. But in the next episode, I'm actually just checking my calendar again. Terrible this. I should always prepare myself for this point where I'm going to check who is next. And source whoever is listening right now. I'm sure you're probably screaming at me. It's uh, VCarb, right, RB. They really need a better name than that. They're going to be unveiling their new car tomorrow on Thursday, which, of course, we will be talking about tomorrow to go out for Friday. And, uh, yeah, look forward to talking about it then. I hope you enjoyed this episode, guys. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow the podcast on your favourite podcasting platform and make sure to leave us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from. It really does help us out. I know we keep banging on about it, but it is a metric that really does help get this podcast to more listeners out there. So if you can help us out by leaving us a kind and supportive review, we'd very much appreciate it. But until next time, guys, thanks for tuning in as always. Please stay safe and we'll see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. And remember, as always, if you're not first, you're probably DNF1. Take care. Podcast Network.